This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> Through Patty's own personal journey, she has developed a unique approach to helping people regain their mental and physical health. There's a tendency for many of us to take life a little too seriously. Our tendency is to push ourselves too hard, believing that once we gain that new job, buy that bigger house, let go of those extra 15 pounds, or finally end our physical pain, we will be happy. We all want new things in our lives, but what if we could obtain them by being fully grateful for what we already have? Patty believes happiness is a choice rather than a destination. It might even be a behavior. The choices we make each day determine how we feel and behave. Our beautiful human experience includes both moving mountains and resting and recovering one day at a time. Do you dream of having all the health, happiness, and abundance you've always wanted? Would you like to gain more emotional intelligence and gain more control over your life? This episode will inspire you to reflect and take action toward your wellness and greatness. Valeria interviews Patty Norris. She is a registered massage therapist, certified life coach, and faster EFT practitioner specializing in the resolution of anxiety, depression, and chronic pain. Through her own journey with anxiety, depression, and chronic pain, along with treating hundreds of patients throughout her career with chronic stress-induced illness, Patty Woodworth Norris realized the profound impact that stress physiology has on all aspects of health. By rewiring her brain and rebalancing her nervous system, she was able to free herself from anxiety, depression, chronic pain, and many other physical symptoms and stress patterns. She has since helped many clients do the same with diverse health issues, traumas, and self-sabotaging patterns. Patty is now a firm believer that everyone with a chronic health issue will benefit from neural retraining, and in many cases, it is critical to healing. Meet Patty at getwiredforwellness.com and pattynorris.com. Here's the interview with Patty Norris. In your own words, who is Patty Norris? Wow, what a beautiful question. I am a uh, mother. I am a wife. I am a pet parent. <laughs> yes. I am a passionate um, life coach and practitioner of all things neuroplasticity. 
And I am a, a, a woman, you know, in, in midlife who is just starting to feel like I'm figuring some things out. You know, I guess, do we ever figure it all out? But I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to marry who, uh, you know, the spiritual aspects of who I am with the physical aspects of who I am and understand those interactions and um, sort of consciously and deliberately starting to create my life instead of having it be a result of all of my programming. Mm. So I'm all of those things. <laughs> yes. What's not to love about all that, especially not living a life out of programming, right? Yes, exactly. So, talk to me, I guess that's I'll open with this question. That will be my second sure. follow-up question. How did you come to these understandings? I'm sure it was not linear, but I would love to know right. the story. Yeah, well, um, you know, Valeria, I had a pretty typical upbringing. You know, I, I had a relatively good upbringing, I would say. And I think I fell into sort of the Western version of what you're supposed to want. You know, the the white picket fence, the two children, the dog, the husband, all of those things. And I stepped into a beautiful manifestation of all of that. No regrets around any of that. But um, in my early 40s, I, you know, my hormonal situation started to change. I started to knock on the door of perimenopause. And I think a lot of the stress that I didn't even really fully understand was present in my body and in my mind kind of came to a head. And I had what I would describe as a health crisis. Um, in old school language, we might have referred to it as a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Um, and that was the beginning of this huge awakening for me. You know, I, I had been dealing with some pain in my body in an, in an on again, off again way for probably the better part of 10 years at that point. And uh, right around the time that uh, I had this, um, sort of running into the wall with my health moment, um, I experienced anxiety, I experienced depression, and then the that I had been sort of dancing with off and on turned on in a chronic way and then didn't turn off. So it was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was a really difficult time in my life, but it didn't end up becoming the catalyst for what I really feel is probably the best time in my life. You know, it, it's so interesting. So much of our, um, the beautiful things in our life can come out of struggle, right? True. Yes. That is true. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that's yes, how that, yeah. yeah. So that health crisis is sort of what prompted me to go in a, a uh, I wouldn't say it's an entirely different direction in my life because I had done um, body work for 20 years at that point, helping people. Um, but it kind of took on another form at that point when I really started to understand on a deeper level, how much our emotional state and our mental state impacts our physical state. Yes. And I had been seeing that glimpses of that, you know, doing body work with people for a couple of decades, but um, interesting also how you can sometimes notice those things in other people, but you don't see it clearly mm -hmm. in yourself. So true. <laughs> yes. So, so true. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. So um, I didn't have any choice, but to see it when I really, when my health really kind of fell apart. Wow. Yeah. How, how interesting to think about pain 
from this perspective. And I have, mm. of course, heard about it and interviewed so many people about this. And yes, I'm sure I have experienced that myself, but I, I mm. didn't make that connection. And I think that we usually don't. So I you wonder know, I, why. Well, you know, I think the way I like to think about this is that our our bodies will express the emotions that maybe we haven't been able to express in other ways. Uh, right? They will true. reflect yeah. um, the emotions that maybe we've experienced around a difficult experience. You know, we've had a difficult experience. There's an emotional reaction that happens to that experience. And there's energy that's generated around that, you know? And if we don't have the ability or, you know, as children, if we don't have role models around us to help us process that emotional energy in healthy ways, then it tends to get almost stuck in our bodies. <laughs> um, and I think the the best analogy I can think of to describe that is so the, the simplest one that I think really beautifully illustrates it is if you imagine yourself as being like an empty glass as a child and every time something difficult happens in your life, there's a drop of water that falls into the glass. If we are not regularly pouring water out of the glass, then at some point it's going to overflow, right? Um, and I think that's when our nervous systems become overwhel overwhelmed and we get sort of stuck in a chronic fight, flight, or freeze response. This is when we developed, we can uh, be very prone to developing chronic health problems. Mm. Yes. So, yeah. In my experience, there's almost always an emotional aspect to this, even wow. though maybe that's not the way Western medicine wants us to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. When I educated to think that way, when I inspired, right, to think that way right. from that perspective of conventional exactly. medicine. Exactly. But that's very much an open topic and an open secret when it comes to spirituality. Mm -hmm. We talk mm -hmm. a lot about these things. Yes. But within the psychology and the work you do as mm -hmm. uh, your registered massage therapist, certified life coach, faster yes. EFT practitioner, yes. specializing in the resolution of anxiety, depression, and chronic pain. I'm reading yes. the labels. Yes. So, so the audience <laughs> knows what you exactly yes. do. Yeah, what I do. Yes. So uh, I guess the question that comes to mind immediately is, which it came before from talking to other people. Mm hmm Suppressing and repressing, I think they're two different concepts. So right. do we have control over these mechanisms of suppressing, denying, and repressing well, emotions? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I love that question. I think, you know, my, my immediate reaction to that is it is necessary as a human, you know, living in community with other humans for us to be able to suppress some of our emotions, mm, <laughs> right? <that's> true. <laughs> because if we didn't yes. have that ability, um, <laughs> then we'd all be walking around, you know, kind of in a really irrational inflammatory state potentially, and society would not function very well, <laughs> right? So I think it's, we have to be able to suppress a certain amount of what we're feeling. We can't just go and dumping, dump it on everyone around us all day long, right? But I think there's a, for, for most of us, there's a sort of point of saturation, I guess would be a, ba a good way to think about it. Whereas if there's too much emotional energy stored in the nervous system, in the body, 
then it becomes um, not, it just, you're not able to cope with it anymore and it overwhelms the system. It is a naturally occurring thing. We do need to be able to do it, but we also need to recognize when we're doing it too much and we need to find healthy ways to discharge some of that emotional energy and bring our nervous system back into a better state. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I love to hear that, the idea of normalizing what is seeing is not normal, right? The expression right. of emotions. I agree. Yes. But what comes to mind for me, because again, my, my perspective is a spiritual one. It's not yes. really a scientific one. Yes. I, I do now understand more than any other time in the history mm -hmm. of my own life mm -hmm. that my emotions, they often came from thoughts and thoughts came yes. from belief systems. Yes. So the more I became aware of false belief systems, the, the, almost like not, actually I came to the point of not having belief systems in, in oh, a sense wow. of not even wanting to have them. I don't know yeah. if, I, if that's possible no. really, right? <laughs> to, to navigate this reality well. without belief systems, but... But I, I'm very I, I much. Think it's, I think it's possible to become acutely aware of them, right? Yes. It's yeah. awareness is so powerful because if, if in the moment when a belief that's not serving us becomes activated, if we're aware of that, then we can choose to, you know, let it guide us or or not let it guide us. Yes. Yeah, that, so, that's it, Betty. Yeah. Awareness. <laughs> right, that's, that, that is the key, yeah. Because yes. it's interesting how, in a way, my case, I really want to kind of be more, uh, live a life that's a lot more in the moment and present yes. and not yes. really informed by the past and whatever programmings are here. But right. it's, it's, not, it's not easy, right? So awareness would be the key. And, and that's probably what I'm getting at. Yes. So I don't know if I call it natural, this process of, of releasing mm -hmm. emotions mm -hmm. because I think it would be a lot, it's a lot more natural to me uh, to realize the interconnectedness of everything and kind of see the other or other things as myself. So right. as the same ground, the same essence. So yes. it's easier to be kind to myself and others coming from that perspective. Oh, absolutely. I would agree 100%. And that really helps with emotions, <laughs> it has been my case. Yes. It's the nervous system, well, everything yeah. is much calmer because of it. Yes. Well, yeah, when we recognize our our commonness, right? That we all kind of, on a spiritual level, came from the same place and ultimately will go back to the same place. There's There's more openness to each other, I think, if we can lean into some version of that. Yes, right. And that's that's true, some version of that, because yeah. we can't really, this is not something that, it's not easy to to kind of realize it, and then it's it's actually much more challenging to embody that in in, in day to day yeah. moment dealing with people and, and right and situations, yeah. right circumstances, problems, and all that. Well, we don't we don't live in a we you know we live in a sort of dualistic reality, right? We all see ourselves as individuals, which we are on some level, but. We're all interconnected too, which is beautiful and challenging and all of those things. Right. Is that your idea of spirituality? Is that how you understand the world spiritually? <laughs> well, yeah, I think I'm a, I am, um, I'm a big lover of Michael Singer's work. I'm a big lover of Michael Singer's work. I'm not sure if you know yeah, who. I Michael, don't know yeah. who he is. Michael Singer. Yeah. So he's, he? a, he's a spiritual um, teacher, meditation, yoga, sort of Buddhist 
teacher, I would say, um, be the way best way I would describe him. But yes, he's he's very much of the mind that <clears throat> he's a beautiful combination of science and spirituality would be the best way to describe it. You know, he he's, he I love the idea that. And I use these as sort of guiding principles in my life. We all, um, you know, we're all stardust, right? We all came from stardust. We will all return to stardust. It's an utter miracle that any one of us is even here on this only planet that we know of that can support life the way we understand it, right? And the statistical likelihood of any of us being here is essentially, you know, zero. And yet, here we are right on, on this planet with its its plants and its flowers and its animals and just all this incredible beauty and variety and we get to have this experience you know i mean that's kind of where i hang out spiritually yes <laughs> which very much yeah. resonates with me yes i call it yes. the impossible this is an impossible experimental experience right what, a, what a, right? this like, which we call life right yeah, I mean, I, there's nothing I love better than a big, big open starry sky. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, the ultimate place to ground, right? That That's kind of, from a spiritual perspective, that's where I sort of hang out. Yes. Um, yes. That's a lovely image. I was just kind of visualizing that now. <laughs> uh, so there's something on your website. We'll go back to the topic sure. of retraining the brain for chronic health issues. Yes. But before that, I did see something, read something on your website. You wrote, I would like to suggest that happiness is not a destination, but mm -hmm. more of a choice or maybe even a behavior. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about that. That yeah. caught my attention immediately. Well, you know, I think my, I guess the example I would give of that, and this is an ongoing, you know, practice for me, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you have the option of letting your brain, which is sort of a natural thing that your brain wants to do, go back to everything that happened yesterday that you wish had been different uh, yes. and go back to focusing on all the challenges you're going to face today, um, all the all the things that you are sad about or angry about. And I mean, that's a survival response, right? That there's a reason our brain wants to do that. It's trying to protect us and keep us alive, right? But we have the choice to either sink back into that default mode, back into that sort of survival part of our brain. Or alternatively, we can recognize that that's what's happening and choose to focus on things that feel better. You know, gratitude for the beautiful soft sheets I'm sleeping on, for my dog laying on my feet, for this, this my partner who loves me that's laying beside me, the fact that I have a fridge full of food. You know, and I can choose to focus on all of those things. So I think it's very much an exercise in where are we choosing to put our focus? You know, are we are we focusing on everything that's not the way we would like it to be? Or are we focusing on the things that we are grateful for and what we'd like to create more of in our lives? Right. And that that's a choice. You know, and our thoughts create chemical reactions in our bodies, right? So if we can recognize, um, 
my brain wants to take me down that rabbit hole of everything that is not the way I would like it to be, but I'm going to practice shifting in a different direction. And in so doing, I'm going to be creating the production of chemicals that feel good, right? I'm going to be producing more oxytocin. I'm going to be producing more serotonin. I'm going to be producing more dopamine versus if I let my survival brain run the show, I'm going to be producing more stress chemicals, right? So it is very much a choice, Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. When you understand the mechanics of how it works. Yeah. And there's a programming aspect to that, you know, kind of circling back to what we were talking about earlier. We, um, we all have programming, you know, neural programming that we have downloaded into the hard drive between our ears over the course of our lives. And um, a lot of that, once again, is going to be out of a, an attempt to keep us alive is going to be skewed towards the negative, right? And often people will become very frustrated with themselves. They'll feel like, you know, I'm sabotaging myself. I don't know why I can't break these habits. I don't know why I can't create change in my life. And we need to understand that our brains, um, they just want to keep us aligned with what what they downloaded to be mm. true. Yeah. Right? right. Out of a desire to keep us safe which is really all about love, isn't it? I mean, our brain's yeah. tr trying to keep us alive. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because it loves us. Yeah. Mm, life loves life. Yes. So uh, yeah. even those behaviors that can feel self-sabotaging and why can't I change this? Why can't I break patterns of addiction? Why can't I stop, you know, sabotaging myself in all different areas of my life? Well, it's because your brain wants to keep you with what's familiar with what it knows, right? Because it feels safe. It feels safe to stay there. Right. The familiar. Yeah. The familiar. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting how our brains work. <laughs> it's I mean, just it, fascinating it to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it is. Absolutely is. And I, it sounds to me like this is the work of healing, of course, and it starts with self-awareness, as you've mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. But for me, it was exactly that. It, I couldn't really find those options. Of course, I had the choice, but mm -hmm. I couldn't see them. Right. The option of doing this or doing that. Right. So do you say that it's much more difficult in the case of people with childhood trauma, like my case? Yes. And yes. some people with personality disorders too. I noticed that mm -hmm. it seems like very, it's not, it's a real challenge for them to recognize anything that's wrong with them. Well, and it really goes back to that programming, right? I mean, yes. it's essentially that the way that works, Valeria, is that you can kind of think of us when we're born. It's not literally that we're a blank slate, but we're we're sort of like a computer that has no programs loaded on it yet, right? And we're born into these environments where we have caretakers that have their own emotional baggage, they have their own problems, and we have experiences. And from those experiences, we learn who we are and um, how the world works and our place in the world. And those childhood experiences from birth up until the age of seven or eight, the brain has essentially no filter to be able to discern or think critically about what happens. So we download all the data around those difficult experiences. And of course, unfortunately, the difficult ones take up more real estate between our ears than the positive ones do yeah, yeah. because of survival, right? Because yeah. of our brain being focused on survival. Um, so all of that data 
just gets downloaded onto the hard drive and it becomes just like software that gets loaded on the hard drive of your computer. And the computer can only run the programs it has, right? Oh, of course, yeah. It can't run. So yeah. if, we, if we learn that the world is not safe and that is the belief system, that is the program mm. we have downloaded, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to behave in ways that reflect that the world is safe. Right. So it's a very much a childhood programming challenge that most of us are trying to overcome, yes. <laughs> which is where where the power of this brain retraining and, and using memory reconsolidation as a as a neuroplasticity process can be a real game changer for people. It, it definitely was for me and it is for my clients as well. It's a it's an incredibly powerful process that allows us to literally rewire those neural pathways in our brain that are keeping us stuck where we don't want to be. Mm. Yeah, what a wonderful technology and invitation, isn't it? <laughs> yes. What is the process like, Patty? Yeah, well, it, it's a beautiful process. It's definitely one that's a little more easily demonstrated than it is explained. But essentially, the memory reconsolidation piece of this is um, based on this understanding like the memories that we have from earlier in our lives and particularly the really difficult ones right because um the difficult memories have a lot of stress have a lot of those sorts of resources attached to them and the brain prioritizes that in an attempt to help us stay alive right so the memories Valeria of those experiences really act like the programs Okay, so what we've discovered in recent years is that um, <clears throat> our, our memories, and this is the first time I heard this concept, I have to be honest, I was, my mind was a little bit blown by it, but um, <laughs> our memories are what we've discovered, what neuroscientists showed us are not, often not accurate representations of what happened earlier mm. in our lives. Yeah, it's the interpretation, isn't it? Some well, yeah, thing. and not only that, but we actually, every time, and this is a naturally occurring process that happens to all of us all the time, we just don't necessarily realize that it's happening. Every time we go back and revisit a memory from the past, our brain updates it slightly according to the emotional state that we're in when we go back and think about it, right? The, how much stress we're under, um, the context that we're going back and revisiting it. So the best way, you know, the analogy for that is, I don't know if it, as a child, if you ever played the telephone game. Do you know what I mean when I say mm -hmm. that? Telephone game. <laughs> I think I did, but I don't remember yeah. exactly how so that went. So <laughs> the, children, the children sit in a circle and the teacher whispers something into one child's oh, ear. Oh, yes, yes, right? yes, yes. And then it makes its yes. way around the circle. And then... 99% yeah. of the time, by the time it gets to the end, it doesn't <laughs> yes. all resemble what it started off. Yeah, as. true. Yes, I remember So that. this is essentially, you know, huh. we, are, we do this with our memories. Wow. So it's mm. a naturally occurring process mm. that we, we just know how to do innately. So once we discovered that this is what, this is how the brain works, the question then became, well, if we are, if we innately know how to do this and we're doing it all the time anyway, would it not make sense to use that ability of the brain to do this, to update those memories in a way that serves us? Yes. 
Right. Right. So to not only remove the negative emotion that maybe we have stored, you know, within us around those experiences, uh, but also to sort of rewrite the story essentially so that subconsciously we're now carrying nicer resources around inside of our heads. Right. So this is, this is the process. Um, I, when I was first exposed to it, I, it's a little bit of a, it can be challenging to wrap your head around it, but if you'd like, I can give you an example from yes. my own personal story of yes. how impactful this can be. Yes, please. So um, I, when I was in university, I had an experience my first year where uh, I had a date rape, experienced a date rape. And um, my brain, you know, and it's all, it's beautiful wisdom. I went completely amnesic about it. I didn't remember that it had happened. And around six months later, I was in a bar with my now husband and some friends. And the young guy that had done this to me walked into the bar. And my brain, all of a sudden, boom, I was right back in it, right? I was having flashbacks and I was hyperventilating and I was crying and shaking the whole, I had a full nervous system reaction to seeing this individual. So, um, you know, that over the next... I guess the better part of three decades of my life, (laughs) Uh, you know, that was something that I was trying to navigate around and uh, it would show up in obvious ways at times in my relationship with my husband. And in hindsight, I can see that it was showing up in other ways in my interactions with all the men in my life, um, as well as just sort of life in general, you know? So the good news here the, the the beautiful punchline to this story is that uh, when I was going through the training to do this neuroplasticity work, I received a session from one of my colleagues on that experience. And we were able, to, I was able to release a lot of the pent up emotion around it. And we were able to kind of essentially rewrite the story so that even though, Valeria, I still know that happened to me, right? I'm not in denial about it. I consciously know my subconscious now has a different Uh, movie around that experience. Okay. So I came home from um, this training that I was at and I had an experience where I was having a conversation with my husband around something that would normally be, would cause me to be very defensive and or shut down. You know, the communication would become very stilted and I would just sort of go inside myself and, and shut down. And I noticed you know, we were, we were talking about something that would normally be very uncomfortable for me. And I was grounded and I was calm and I was able to participate like a grown up in this conversation. It was astounding to me. Um, and the way that that rewriting that story has impacted my life has spread out in so many different directions in so many ways, you know, I think my nervous system experienced a major upgrade in terms of getting out of the chronic stress state as a result of doing that work. Um, And I also just, I'm much less defensive. I'm much more open. I'm much more grounded. Um, It's just been phenomenal, phenomenal, the impact that that had on my life doing that work. So, you know, and clearly you and I are just meeting and I'm here sharing my story with, uh, you know, obviously lots of people. Yeah. And uh, I'm not at all uncomfortable sharing that story. Right. 
right? So that's a statement of healing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So wow. that's the power, the potential of this of this memory reconsolidation work. How impactful it can be in someone's life. Yeah, it mm. very much sounds like it. In I love. I mean, what's not to love about? Yeah, it? I'm sorry for you going through a horrible experience. I appreciate that. I don't watch TV and I just... Right, right. I understand. Because yeah. I visualize everything. It's yes, almost like it's yes. happening in front of me and then yes. my body starts to sweat too. <laughs> yes. I, and you know what, Valeria? I was, I was like, <laughs> I, used to, I used to be the same. <laughs> I, and I, uh, I, no longer, mm. I no longer am that way. I'm mm. very conscious and deliberate about what I expose myself to just because I know that I'm emotionally intelligent enough to know that it there's nothing good that comes from exposing ourselves to stuff that is... Um, jarring and unnecessarily violent. Yes. yes However, I, I can be exposed to that stuff now and it doesn't have a, an impact on me. Whereas before I would just, I would go into a stress response and shut down. So yeah, that also the result of doing all this neuroplasticity work. <laughs> uh, I love yeah. that, Patty. So yeah. it's a powerful message and empowering um, kind of tool to have. So the same way, basically the same way the brain changes with traumatic experiences, it changes mm-hmm. with positive experiences. Yes, absolutely. Right? The, the, the practice, the repetition of positive Absolutely. Absolutely. The repetition um, and understanding, right? Having the basic understanding that our brain does want to default to stress responses and, and why it wants to do that, right? It wants to do that because it's trying to keep us alive. Right. I love right? that. I love the understanding piece. Yeah, that's that's compassion. It's important, right? It's right, important it for is. us to understand that because it makes yeah. us easier to show ourselves love and compassion when that happens and say, it's okay. It's I understand why you're responding this way. You know, and this is genuinely how I will talk to myself at times. I understand why you're reacting this way, but it's okay. It's okay to think differently. It's okay to shift your focus onto something else. You know, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but it's okay. We're okay now. Yeah, that's, it's almost like talking to a child. Well, you know what, Valeria, I'm firmly of the belief that most of us are lots of, there's lots of childlike parts of us that are in there um, and we're just walking around in grown up bodies. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) That helps me a lot too, to see humans that way. Yes. Yes. And myself. (laughs) Myself first. Absolutely. All of us. (laughs) Yes. All of us. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, we started talking about off record about, I think you mentioned gratitude, being grateful mm-hmm. for the things that had happened. Mm-hmm. So I would like to make a comment about that, I guess. I've been through a lot of trauma myself, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, horrible experiences as a child. Yes. Yes. And I'm not grateful for them, I have to say. Right. Well, my right. perspective, again, is spiritual. And I believe in, um, if it is a belief system, it's is that it is, like you said, understand. I love that word. I use the word knowledge, but I guess they, uh-huh. they, they go together, right? Hand in hand. Yes. Yep. Is that realization, the understanding that everything is connected. So I mm-hmm. don't think my parents would have done what they have done, with they, they, they did in the past, if they had this understanding, if they had this profound realization that everything is connected. Mm-hmm. That, and we are basically, by not... By being violent and kind to others, especially children or animal, innocent beings, then we are ignoring that truth that everything mm-hmm. is connected. The essence mm-hmm. is one. So 
I guess that's why now my path, it's really, it's for some reason, for that reason, I believe it's spiritual because very clear to me that it's ignorance, the cause of a lot of the unnecessary suffering that I see, that I have seen in my own life around me and and in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree 100% with that. You know, and I think the most powerful sort of intelligence for us to try to foster within ourselves and there and and also within the world in general is emotional intelligence. Right? I call I, it spiritual I, intelligence, but I guess yeah, the same thing. Well, yeah. Anymore. And I mean, I, I think, listen, I don't know where one, one stops and the other begins really. Right. I think um, they're, they're, yeah. they're melded together, but if we had more people in positions of power, you know, on all levels of our society that healed their childhood trauma, you know, in a, in a really profound way. And um, wow, things would be very different, wouldn't they? Oh my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do connect the, those two pieces, healing and spirituality to me, like you said beautifully, we don't know when we one begins, the other one mm-hmm. starts, right? Well, one ends and the other one starts, right? Right. They are I very agree. much interconnected to this movement between healing mm-hmm. and spirituality. The more we heal, the more we see that that truth that everything is connected that we are all connected yes so going back to what you do and how you do it let me mm-hmm. see the guided yeah. but there's something that uh, moving from a life of pain to a life that you love that's what you right. are now right. by not suppressing right. emotions anymore being open to them well you've been doing it's like it's a training isn't it patty it's a it practice is. do you still need to engage in practices every day no, I no, I'm at a point. I, I mean, the beautiful thing about this neuroplasticity work, Valeria, is that you know, you it tends to be a bit of a front-loaded process. You know, when you, you clean up a lot of these traumas from your past and in a way that you're actually rewiring what your brain is doing with those things, then the effect of that is cumulative and your nervous system just tends to get healthier and healthier and healthier as you do that. And then it, you know, you go from being in a chronic stress state to being in a more regulated nervous system state more of the time. And, you know, your health flourishes, you bring that creative part of your brain back online more of the time. Um, You start to be able to focus your energy and your intention in different ways instead of just trying to fix yourself all the time. Right, right. (laughs) Right? Yes. Um, It's, it's. So when you get to that point, it's it becomes a an exercise in um, living your life, right, and and focusing your energy on what you'd like to create more of in your life. It doesn't mean that I'm a robot. It doesn't mean that I can't be impacted by things that are happening around me. Obviously, I still can, but um, I would I would describe it as you know the roller coaster. What I would my life I used to kind of see it as this big roller coaster. Right. Yeah. The big one of the big scary ones. <laughs> yes. Now I feel like I'm at the I'm in the kitty section of the fair and I'm riding the kitty coaster. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. So I don't have as far, you know, when things don't impact me in the same way. So there I don't have to work as hard to bring myself back into a better mm. state. Mm. Um, and I, yeah. I definitely have tools that I will use when I get um upset by something or I feel a little bit of anxiety or some worry around something. I have tools that I can use to bring myself back into a better state, which obviously then I'm able to problem solve more creatively, right? When you're in a better state. 
So uh, it's, but it's definitely um, a process that is a little bit more labor intensive in the beginning and becomes less and less so as time goes on. Wow. Yeah. That's wonderful to know. It sounds almost like a healing enlightenment type yeah. of thing. Yeah. So good way to describe it. Um, yeah, that's what you <laughs> may kind of inspired the, 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 the mind to think. So th- yes. that it's not becoming desensitized and no, right? Not, no feelings. No. You still no, have feelings and no. emotions. No, I can still experience all of the emotions, right? I'm a still still a full human and I want to have the full human experience, you know, but I don't tend to get stuck in any of them. And I also don't wrap myself around them and, and cling to them either, right? So, so much of our suffering happens by virtue of the fact that we, 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 wrestle, we wrestle with the difficult stuff and then we cling to the really good stuff, right? And then invariably, when the good stuff changes, we suffer. For sure. Wow, right? sounds very so, spiritual to me again. <laughs> ah, yes, desires, yeah. longing, all that. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, so um, there's definitely a, a greater sense. I experienced so much. Uh, I have so much stronger sense of being really whole and complete within myself now. Um, and, you know, because of that, I'm able to, if I get pulled off, the rails I can pull myself back on, you know, and which enables me to be able to help other people to empower them to be able to do the same thing for themselves, which is what I love to do. Right. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, how wonderful that is. It also makes me think, think about freedom and the idea of what freedom is. Right. Uh, how, would you, how would you describe that in the same way, in a way? Yeah, freedom. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's such a great question. I mean, I think my version of freedom is being able to um, focus on and do the things that I love and that are important to me, even if they're, even if they are a little bit fear inducing, even if it feels a little bit outside the comfort zone, because I know that it's going to be okay either way. Like I can take the action step. I can move forward towards something that I want to do because, you know, what's the worst case scenario if it doesn't go the way that I want? Well, I learned something. And I brush myself off and I keep moving forward. You know, that feels like freedom. Not having to, not letting my programming from my past dictate what my future is going to look like. <laughs> yes. Right. Not letting whatever other people think of me or how they're, what they're, how they're judging what I'm doing, stop me from taking action. That feels like freedom. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That really, it's amazing how it comes together, the, 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 common and shared ideas when I listen to you and a lot of my guests, therapists, they talk about what healing does, you know, mm-hmm. the, the state, the, the healing state of mm-hmm. being. So uh, automatically kind of matches the spiritual mm-hmm. state of being. Agreed. So in the end, it might be that like the way I, I see it, and we just talked about this, healing and spirituality, they're very much connected. It's, they are. Uh, right. The more we can clear. So it's not really about finding the truth, but getting rid of, of the lies, you know, the progress. Yeah. You know what? People mm. often ask me that, Valeria, like, what what is it? Um, often people in this sort of milieu, you know, the people that do this sort of work, I'll hear people use this sort of language like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, what is it that people say? I've, like the best version of myself. I, I'm, um, I found myself again, 
right? Yes. That kind of language. And yes. honestly, I don't love that language. Yeah. I, I feel like this, this, you know, best version of me, this connected, curious, creative, beautiful, loving, spiritual part of me, this version of me, she's been in there the whole time, right? This part of me that's connected to something that's bigger than I am has been in there the whole time. But she got layered with a lot of trauma and a lot of disempowering beliefs and it just was accumulating and, and, you know, layer after layer through the course of my life. And I feel like this neuroplasticity work and, and the journey I've been on has allowed me to kind of peel back all those layers. Right. And, and just reveal this best version of me that's been in there the whole time. Right. And now she gets to step forward and, um, you know, create the best possible version of the rest of my life. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From my spiritual perspective, exactly Mm -hmm. the same way. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being very clear with that. I love the way you communicate the message (laughs) so clearly. Is it for everyone, Patty? Like any age, even for children, per se? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've worked with everyone from eight-year-olds up until uh, 85-year-olds. Absolutely. Um, Occasionally, I'll have clients that will come to me and say, can you work with my child? And I'm absolutely willing to do that. Interestingly, though, often the most impactful thing you can do to help a child is to have the parents work on themselves. Uh Ah, makes so much sense. It really does, right? Because um, when we model different behaviors and we're giving off a different vibration, that is going to impact our children powerfully. And it doesn't seem to matter whether they're five years old or 25 years old, you can still have a really positive, powerful impact on your child by doing your own work. Right. How do you communicate that with parents? Um, uh, Pretty much just like that. Oh, wow. (laughs) Straightforward. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mean, basically, you know, I think it's just having them understand that if they're carrying around a lot of emotional baggage, um, then they are... But not with any intention necessarily. That's clearly not what I'm suggesting here, but they are inadvertently parenting through the lens of that, right? And that is going to impact their ability to be really present, to be really grounded and um, be able to really let the children step into the full embodiment of who they're supposed to be if they're still parenting through the lens of their own trauma. So that's usually how I will suggest, you know, and not everyone goes for it, but it is uh, from my own experience, Valeria, when I cleared up so much of what I was carrying around with me, it, I could see the impact it had on everybody around me, including my children. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. In a really obvious way. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Wow, I love yes. that piece too. <laughs> and that and that's true, right, Patty? I heard that from somebody, one of my guests, the difference between intention and impact. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have this great intention, but it is the way we deliver the message, the way we act that really makes the impact. And sometimes... Yeah, and the energy right. that's behind it. Mm, yes, you know, yes. Is it coming from a, yes. I'm trying to help my child from a desperate, I have my own unresolved wounds that I'm projecting onto them kind of way? Or is it coming from a, I've cleaned, I've cleaned myself up. I feel pretty whole and I feel pretty complete within myself. So I can be genuinely, sustainably grounded and centered to allow my child to be who they are. 
Yes, I love that you right? said that too. The energy behind, yeah, our actions, it's our powerful. intentions, our thoughts. Yes, it is it's very. Powerful. I agree. Wow. Do you meet your clients online and offline, uh, in person? Um, yes, both. I, oh. I I have clients all over the world that I work with virtually, as well as uh, I have an in-person practice with the people who live in my community as well. Um, and then we, I'm also part of a coaching program that we deliver this this information, this nervous system education, um, and showing how to pe- people how to put the practice of memory reconsolidation into into play in their own lives. Um, we have a group platform where we teach that in a programmatic way, which is really lovely. So there's multiple ways to engage in this work. Yes, how <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Now you're doing, uh, you're very happily busy with this yes. work, helping people. Thank you so Absolutely. much, Patty, for being you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Truly beautiful. Yes. <laughs> so before we say goodbye for today... Um, I have a, a few more questions for you, a technical one, and then I have sure. a question that I usually ask all my sure. guests. But before that, would you like to add anything that you left unsaid for today's conversation, Patty? A question um, that I didn't ask? Or... Well, you know, Valeria, we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> we I mean, really did. Yeah. So no, I feel like, um, I feel like hopefully I was able to give people a little bit of a sense of what's possible with this work and that give some some people maybe that if they're finding themselves feeling a bit like they're chasing their tail and and not able to break out of some of these patterns that there might be another way for them to get there that's really what I was trying to give people a sense of optimism and hope that there might be something out there that would work for them that they haven't already tried right and you (laughs) and you being uh, not just the messenger, but the message that makes such mm. a huge difference because coming mm-hmm. from your own experience, Indeed it, is. it can be felt. Yeah, we, yes. I mean, we trust that a lot more than just something that we have just read somewhere. So oh, I agree. That's wonderful to know that you've been through it and yes. this has been done. <laughs> so my ending questions, I'll ask sure. you, let me see. I'll ask this one, this one. I have lots of ending questions here. I'll ask this one. <laughs> what do you love most about being in the human body or being a human? Oh, wow. What a beautiful question. What do I love most about it? I love just, I love the big, glorious mess of it all. You know, I love that. Um, I love the the highs. I love the lows. I love just the humanity of all of that. You know, I, I, I had a, I lost my mother here about five years ago and I had a very close, somewhat codependent relationship with her. <laughs> um, and I was there with her when she passed away. And, you know, I w- the whole concept of that prior to it happening was just horrific to me. But, you know, in that moment, it, it was horrific and it was also incredibly beautiful. Right. And, and I love that. And I love, you know, the moment when you see an incredible sunrise and um, I love the moment when I hold a new baby for the first time. And I love all the learning and the helping everyone. Uh, like, um, I think it was John Kabat-Zinn who coined the phrase, the full, full catastrophe living, you know, the idea that I, I love this great, big, full catastrophe life that I have. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can feel that way. That's for sure. It feels Such that way sometimes, right? Yes, right. Yes. Yeah, we are here Such for everything. Yeah, not just not just right. pieces of life, but that's a, a right. whole life. Beautifully said. Yeah, that's a beautiful message to reflect upon. Right. 
And my, my last question is this one. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they die, before they lose the body? Oh, wow. Specific, three specific experiences. Okay. Well, I think one of them would be the one that I mentioned earlier. I, I would love for everyone. I live in a very rural area in Nova Scotia in Canada. So um, I have a, you know, a lot of nature around me and I would love for everyone to have the opportunity to sit outside on a really dark, clear night and get the full experience of a fully big starry sky. Right. That would probably be the first one that comes to mind. Um, I, I'd love for everyone to be able to experience the joy of having someone that they feel, you know, that they're in a relationship with, that they feel genuinely safe and seen and heard with, that they can fully be themselves. Um, I would love for everyone to have that experience. Um, and, you know, I probably wouldn't be complete for me to uh, answer that question without making some reference to animals because I have a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah. I know everyone has different preferences for different animals, but, um, I, you know, the experience of having an animal love you unconditionally, you know, a dog or a cat. I also have a couple of donkeys that oh. are just hilarious and beautiful and loving. So, you know, being able to just be present with an animal and just oh. let them love you unconditionally. I'd mm. love for everyone to be able to have that experience as well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was smiling here the whole time, like oh, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> one after another. Uh, thank you so much, Betty, for sharing these beautiful, timeless wisdom. Ah, oh, the well, transcends it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Thank you yeah. for being you again and for what you do. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. So we'll be in touch again soon. Take good okay. care of yourself for now. Yes. Bye okay. for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Patty Norris and her work, please visit getwiredforwellness.com and pattynorris.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.